we would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. I wonder if we can just put our hands together and welcome Jesus. Come on, welcome Jesus into this place. Welcome the one who is the healer, amen? Not just of the soul, but of the mind and of the body. He is the healer this morning. And he's here. <laughs> oh my goodness, he is here. So I don't see him. He's here. <laughs> because the Bible declares where two or three are gathered in his name, he's in their midst. He's here this morning. And I don't know what you brought through the doors this morning, but you don't have to carry that burden out of here today. You can leave it at the feet of Jesus knowing that our God, oh my goodness, has got your back. He's got you. Amen? Amen. Look at somebody beside you and say, you're lucky to see me this morning and you can be seated. Amen. Oh, we got to be more spiritual. Say, you're blessed to see me and then you can be seated. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. All right. God is good. Amen. I'm so thankful for what the Lord is doing, thankful for the Spirit of the Lord that I feel in this place today. We felt Him in the early service this morning. I feel like God is, is moving us in the direction He wants us to go, and I want to go in that direction, amen? I don't want to go upstream with God. I want to flow with the Spirit, amen? So let's flow with the Spirit this morning, and let's allow the Lord to speak to us as we've gathered into this place today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 3. That's where we're going to anchor today. We've been moving through the book of Acts. Last, uh, last couple of weeks, we laid the foundation. We talked about how they were given an incredible task at the end of, of, of Matthew. Uh, the disciples were tasked to reach the whole world, making disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Side note, we get to baptize today. Can we give the Lord a praise for that? We're going to baptize somebody. We're going to do it again next week, too. Um, uh, so uh, one of the folks that was going to be baptized couldn't make it this morning, but I said, don't worry, we'll, we'll do it next week. So I'm, I'm thankful we get to do that uh, today, and that is the gospel lived out loud right there. Amen. That we follow in the footsteps of Jesus as he uh, commanded us to do. Um, but we talked about how they were challenged with, the, with this incredible task. This task was, was, was beyond their own human capability. They were filled with the Spirit in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. That power was given not to just excite them, but to catapult them into the work that God had commanded them to do. And as they uh, left that blessing of the upper room, we realized that they in Acts chapter 2, they were uh, about 3,000 people added to their numbers after Peter preaches one of the most tremendous messages that's ever been preached of, uh, about salvation. Uh, and the, the 3,000 people were added. That group from about 120 people is now multiplied into the thousands and not just multiplied into the thousands, but those thousands had gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, and now they returned to their homes all over the world to share their hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what God had done for them in Jerusalem. Now they're sharing, and their faith is getting, the faith is now being spread throughout the whole world, and it happened in, in just a few short days after the church was filled with the Spirit, and Peter preaches that message. Now, in, 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 as we ended last week, we talked about how 
there was a foundation set by uh, the apostles or, uh, or by the early church on what they built upon. And they built upon some principles, and that was the principle of the word, fellowship, uh, the breaking of bread, and prayer. Those were the four building blocks of the early church, and that's what's established in Acts chapter 2, and it will carry out through the remaining chapters of Acts, uh, however long the Lord wants us to linger in this book. But today we're going to take on Acts chapter 3, one of my favorite chapters of Acts. It's got one of the most tremendous stories uh, that has been preached on for years and talked about for uh, probably by a lot of people, and it is the story of, uh, of Peter and John as they go in their normal task, in their everyday task. You see, though they were filled with the Spirit, though they were called to carry out the great commission of the Lord to reach souls, they still carried on their daily routines, and one of their daily routines was to go to the house of the Lord for three o'clock prayer. And so they were journeying to the temple, and they happen upon a man, and this man is uh, is lame, and the Bible says lame from birth. And so we're going to get into that in just a moment, but that kind of sets the picture of where we're going to travel this morning through the scripture. But as I was uh, getting ready for this uh, time of, that we would share together, yesterday I was <clears throat> here at the church uh, yesterday morning getting the baptism set up. I was here by myself for a little bit while the water was filling up in, in, in the baptism. I sat uh, right there on the front and I began to think about what I was going to share with you guys sitting in your seats today. And I began to think about the needs that would enter this building. I, I began to think about that we all have needs. Every one of us have carried something into this room. And what is a need? Your need is that thing or that issue that is on your mind that is weighing on you, but you don't know how to solve. You don't have the ability on your own to solve it. That's a need. And it might, and it can take various shapes and forms. Some of us would identify uh, maybe a financial need this morning. Maybe you've got something you need God to do for you financially. Maybe you need a new job. Maybe you need a raise. Maybe uh, you need to pay off some debt or maybe even some student debt. If we, we've got some college students here, maybe you need to pay off some student debt. Um, you have a financial need. Maybe a mortgage, a car payment, a medical bill, whatever it may be. Maybe that's weighing on you this morning. Some of us would even identify uh, maybe our need is relationship needs. Need. Uh, we're, we're having marital problems. Our, uh, our, our spouse, uh, you know, you're just not communicating the way you would like to communicate. You're having some issues. Um, maybe family problems uh, are going on. Uh, maybe you have a problem with, the, with your parents right now or your siblings or your co-workers. Uh, maybe, you know, uh, rec you've tried to reconcile and, and you don't, and, and that's, that's not worked out for you. Maybe you're just in need of love. You're, you're feeling lonely in your life. You're, you've got a need for that right now. Um, some of us would identify that maybe our need is time. Some of us just don't feel like we got enough time in the day. Anybody relate to that one? Um, you don't feel like there's enough hours in the day to accomplish all that you need to do. We're just too busy in our schedules uh, for our kids and for our spouses and for the activities that are going on because they're all pulling us in different directions. We don't have enough time for our family. We don't have enough time, it seems, to get, uh, you know, uh, uh, to get our job done or our, our schoolwork done or our homework done. It's a demand everywhere we look. Maybe some of us are here and we identify with the need for forgiveness. We're, we're longing for forgiveness and, and maybe we need the forgiveness of ourselves. We need to learn how to let go of some things that, that are in our past this morning or maybe uh, we need the forgiveness of others or we need to forgive others or ultimately we need God's forgiveness. We need Jesus to forgive us of some sin in our life. There's some things that, that we've done wrong. Maybe whatever it is, you've got needs 
words this morning. Well, as we, we, we open the scripture this morning, we encounter a God who cares for our needs, and, and he cares for the needs of his people. Jesus came to preach the gospel according to Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. He came to share the good news, but he also came to share, to restore, and to, to uh, help the oppressed and set the captives free. Jesus came to do all of those things. We shouldn't be surprised that once Jesus sends us out, or sends out his disciples on their mission, they were sent to do the same thing that he came to do. As a matter of fact, he said, you will do what I have done and greater, and greater than what I have done. And so he has commissioned his church to carry on his mission. And so the book of Acts is simply the story of them carrying out the mission. So Peter and John in chapter 3 of Acts are headed towards prayer time. They're headed towards uh, the temple as they had done probably countless times before. And and they come upon a man and this man is asking for money. Why? Because he had he was lame. He could not walk. His, according to what the scripture tells us, his, his legs were even withered. He was not able to, to function in society and, and hold down a job because he had no uh, use of his legs. And so they come upon this man, and number one, uh, this man is asking for generosity on their behalf. He's saying, can you please help me out? Can you give me something to eat? Can you give me something? Because he had depended on everybody. He even depended on people to transport him to the gate beautiful so that he could sit outside the gate to beg for money. He depended on everyone for everything. Now, uh, his need was obvious, don't you think? He needed what? He needed money because he states it. He, he actually, uh, he actually uh, uh, underestimates his need. He has is, he is boiled down the needs in his life to a financial need, and his financial need was not his need at all. Now, let, now hold with me because we're going to go somewhere with this. Have you ever told yourself that? If I just had a little bit more money, then my life would be easier. Anybody? Oh, no honest people in this room. won't. Nobody wants any more money, Lord. Anybody ever thought if we just had a little bit more, come on, then we, things would be easier or, or, or not even money. If I had this, my life would be complete. And so many times we look and we think this is what will complete my life. This is what will complete the puzzle in my life. And we, we, are, we, we ask God to fill our need. Now, I want you to think about that. that. In other words, we underestimate our need. This man didn't ask them for healing. He, didn't, he had a clear perception or didn't have a clear perception of what he really needed. Instead of asking for healing, he asked for money. He said, if you can just give me a little bit of money, this will enable me to survive a little longer. I'll have a little bit more money I can eat. I have a little bit more money I can maybe pay the people who carry me where I need to go. If I have a little bit more money, I can have maybe a roof over my head tonight and I can sleep in a bed. If I just had a little bit more money, that will meet the need in my life. If I, if I could just have this, this will fulfill me. This will be everything I need it to be. Now, before I go into the explanation of what actually actually happens, which most of you, if you read your Bible, know, I want to share with you just real quickly uh, uh, about the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain. Now, everybody point to your left side of your head, okay? Now, everybody point to the right side of your head, and if you did that wrong, we've got bigger problems. All right. 
Now, you may know this, you may not know this, but creativity and imagination are attributed to the right side of your brain. The right side of your brain is where everything creative about you takes place. So some of you are saying, no wonder I can't, you know, uh, you know cut out things and, and make pretty things because, you know, that, that part of me is broke. The right side's broke. No. But that is the creative side of our brains. Order and logic are, come from the left side of your brain. That's where you reason things out. That's where you think things through. I think we can get stuck in the left brain thinking a lot of times, the logical way of thinking when it comes to understanding what we really need from God. We can get stuck in the left side. I want to logically think it out. The basics, uh, uh, basics are, uh, of the, uh, that we look at in Scripture and, and, and our needs are dissected through order and logic. This man, he needs silver and gold. I, in other words, I need fa- food, a place to sleep. This is left brain thinking at its best, okay? All of us do it, and we do it a lot. It logically makes sense that if I'm going to be better, I need this. And we logically look at the situation. But he has happened upon two men who are not left brain thinkers, but they are right brain thinkers because they have been in contact with the creator of all things. They have been in contact with the healer of the lame, the opener opener of the blind eyes. They have been in contact for the last three years with a guy who said he was the son of God and ultimately proved it by dying on a cross coming out of the grave on the third day and I'm here to tell you God was making himself real and their way of thinking had changed over come on to the creative side of thinking so he comes upon these two men who are right brain disciples they're thinking on the right side look at him and imagine the possibilities that God has for him so when he asks for money they look and they don't go to the to the to the left brain side they don't think well hey what have we got on us they look and they say oh here is an opportunity for this creative amazing God of ours to show his glory here's an opportunity for God how many of us think that way I don't think that way all the time do you This is an opportunity for God. Peter and John were not always this way, by the way. They they had spent time with Jesus and now were filled with the Spirit, but they didn't always think this way. Let's talk about Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter's on the Mount of Transfiguration. He witnesses a supernatural uh, uh, movement of God. Jesus is glorified. He is the glorified Christ before them. And all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah appear with him. and, And Peter is caught up in the amazing moment and he says, you know what? I'm going to think left-sided here. Let's build three tabernacles, Lord. It's good for us. Let's, let's set up camp right here. And, and what he was saying is, we'll, we'll make you all equal. We'll make you equal with Moses and we'll make you equal with Elijah. And Jesus looks and says, you've missed the point. I'm not equal with them. I am the Son of God. I am not just the suffering servant. I am the Son of God. I am God made flesh. And he reveals his glory and he rebukes people. Peter by saying, get behind me, Satan. That's the wrong kind of thinking. You're on the left side of your brain. You're logically looking at this, and, and it may, be lo- may, may seem logical to you to set up camp here, but that is not the plan of God. That is not the plan of God. So they weren't always stuck there. Acts 3, verses 6 through 8 says, But when Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give you, in the name of Jesus of Na- Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And, le- and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. This must have been the real need, right? 
Him being healed, that's got to be the real need. It wasn't the money. It was wrong again, not the real need. You see, God will all, God, the method that Jesus used and the method in the book of Acts and all through the Bible is the miracle always set up the message. The miracle was not the message. It was setting up the message. I want you to know when God does something amazing, it's setting us up to the real need. He's pointing to the real need. We're going to get to the real need in just a moment. So, again, this, but even when Jesus heals people, it often carries us to a greater point. When a paralyzed man is lowered through the roof, remember that in Mark 2, verses 9 through 11? The paralyzed man is lowered through the roof. Okay? His, his friends claw through the roof. Now, if you're the one they're putting a hole in your roof, you must really believe God. Okay? And, and I always get tickled at this. Because I think we always make it majestic, don't we? The man is lowered, and we're thinking he's lowered perfectly down like this. I think it was kind of like this. You know, looking down. <laughs> what is going on? And Jesus heals him. But Jesus always has a, a message behind the miracle. What was the message? In, Luke, in Mark chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, he doesn't say, rise up, take your bed and walk first. He says, your sins are forgiven. And he tells those who are angry over him using that phrase, he says, so that you will know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins here on this earth. That you will know that I am not just another prophet, but I am the Lamb of God. I have the power to forgive sins. So he says what to him? Your sins are forgiven and take up your, your, your bed and go home in Mark 2. He's saying go home. Why? Because I've healed you. But more importantly, I forgave your sins. I forgave your sins. You see, we would get caught up in the miracle and not, and, and not catch the message if we're careful. He heals this man to prove that he can forgive sins. Forgiveness was, it was his greater need, not being healed of his lame, lameness. It was forgiveness. Now Peter and John heal this man to open the door to tell the crowds the greater need. What is the greater need? Acts 3, verses 8 through 10. And leaping up, and he, he stood and began to walk and entering the, with them, walking and leaping and praising God. By the way, I, I don't know how you dignify this. I don't think you can dignify this. This is a guy that's never used his legs in his life. All of a sudden he can walk, and I don't think he was just going in with his nice little church walk. What are you doing? I'm coming to worship God. The Bible says he was leaping. He was testing out his new legs. He was testing out his new ankles and his new feet. He was testing out what God had done and he was praising God. I believe he was drawing attention. He was making a spectacle of himself. And guess what? If you hadn't walked since birth and you got healed on the way into this church, you might be leaping and praising God. But guess what? God's healed every one of us from the lameness of sin, the blindness of sin and death. He has saved us. I wonder if anybody can praise God this morning with some enthusiasm. Oh my goodness. So they go to church. And the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the gate beautiful. In other words, he was a fixture of the community. He had been there for a long time. They had passed by him. How many times, I got to think about this, how many times do you think Peter and John actually passed by this man before this event? How many times? How many times do you think that Jesus went by this man? And you know what? I know Jesus is probably thinking, I could heal him, but you know what? Acts 3 is coming. 
<laughs> and I need to show this world that even after I go back to the Father, the power that I had rests upon the church. How many times did they pass by this man? He was a fixture of the community. Let me just tell you this. I, and the, well, I'm going to get ahead of myself. I don't want to do that. All right. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one that sat at the gate beautiful of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. The lame man thought he needed silver and gold. And once Jesus healed him, maybe he thought that he, that was really what he needed. But Peter and John know that, that, they, that in reality, he needs God himself. He needs a relationship with the Lord. The people need a relationship with God. That it was the miracle setting up the message. He, needed, he needs God to reach down into his life and to touch him. That's what we need. That's what he needed. That's what all of us need. And I want you to know today, there's too many of us we're praying for needs that aren't the real needs we're wanting God to fix things that are broken but it's but but it's not the source of the brokenness I, I, in other words we're praying for the symptom to be touched but we're not getting to the heart of what the real need is and what do, does it do for God to touch the symptom but not heal the disease this world has been plagued by the pandemic, the last two years, we have watched as uh, things have shut down. People have died. Things, sicknesses. But if you have COVID, how many of you want to call me up and say, hey, I have COVID. I'm in bad shape. Will you pray for my cough to get better? Will you pray for my fever to get better? Those are symptoms of what's really wrong. No, you want somebody to say, Oh God, you are the maker of the body. And Lord, this virus, you can, er you can eradicate. So take away the source. Not the symptom, the source. There's a lot of sources that we don't want to get to today. Holy Spirit, help us discover the real need in our life the real need and quit playing around with the symptoms amen i just need a little more money to get by god can you bless my family with a little bit more money and that's not the real need mm, getting quiet on me he jumps up and begins to tell everyone how good god is he has encountered the life-giving power of God and he cannot contain it. He is jumping and leaping, yes. But this is all in order to draw people to the true source of what they need. When God meets our need, we need to tell others that he's met it. Amen. In other words, when God has provided for your family month after month, even when your budget is tight and you don't have anything left and God still has provided for you, you need to tell somebody. In other words, when God has given you peace in the midst of a storm, when everybody else is losing their mind, you need to tell somebody. When God is there for you in the darkest moments of your life, you need to tell somebody. When we think that we need one thing, money, relationship, time, health, but in reality we need, our need is so much bigger, we need to express to people what God has really done. In other words, I can tell you all day long how blessed I am, but I need to go back to the fact that He saved 
saved me from my sins and without him I would never know the blessings that I experience today. So it's not about being blessed. I hear people say, I just want more Jesus. And I hear the Holy Spirit say, won't you do something with the Jesus you got? Don't you do something with what I've already spoken into your life? How do we need God? Acts 3, verses 11 through 26, it begins to explain it. It's one thing to say we need Him, but it's another to explain what that means. We need to experience Him. Verse 11 says, While He clung to Peter and John, all the people, uh, utterly astounded, ran together to them, uh, to the porch of Solomon. What are you saying? All the people were blown away. They, they knew this man. Now, I, I will include this. If you know somebody that was desperately ill, that's well-known in this community, you know somebody that was maybe they suffered, they were crippled, and everybody in the community knew them, and they came to church and they got healed, I guarantee you people are going to want to know what happened. People are going to begin to be curious about what's going on. The Bible says that the people were astounded. In other words, they were astonished, amazed, but yet this word also in the original language means alarmed. They're a little bit set off. I mean, come on, you would be too. Something has happened that is out of the ordinary. You know, it's one thing for Jesus to heal, but he's dead and gone. That's the way the world was seeing it. Now all of a sudden, two of his followers speak to this man, and they're saying, he, they healed this man. Now, we're going to, Peter corrects them in who really did the healing in just a little bit. But they're astonished and amazed, and they come run, running. This means they gather together. This is all, the, almost the phrasing of a marathon. If you ever, anybody ever watched the Peachtree Road Race, it looks like a sea of people running down the road. I don't see how anybody wins that thing. Just a wad of people, you know, thousands and thousands, arm to arm, it seems like chest to back, and they're running. The multitude gathered, people gathered. And what happened? They were amazed, but they were also a little bit scared. They wanted to know what was happening. You would think this too. They, in other words, Peter and John instead have allowed this miracle to attract the crowd so that they can really address the need. What is the real need? The real need is Jesus. They are attracted by the supernatural display of God's power. When we're experiencing God in our lives, in our church, there should be something attractive about it. When we're really close to God, it's going to attract somebody. They're going to look at you and say, what is it different in your life? You ever had anybody ask you that? Why, you know, we're going through the same stuff. Why do you have a smile on your face? We're, we're going through the same world. We're walking in the same junk and the same garbage, but you have peace and I don't. What is it that gives you peace? Don't look at them and say, I meditate. Tell them what gives you peace. Tell them what the real need was. I, I called on the Prince of Peace and he gave me peace. He gave me faith over fear. They were attracted to this display. People have run away from the church because the church has not allowed the Spirit to be astonishing. You hear me? We should be astonished. Now, if they're watching, I apologize in advance. No, I really don't. But my sisters, when we were growing up, they would find boyfriends. And boyfriends, if they didn't come to church, they didn't remain boyfriends for long. Okay. That's the way it works. You grow a church that way. So anyway. Get the pretty ladies, you'll get the gentlemen. I promise you. 
but they would get boyfriends. And we grew up in a Pentecostal church, all right? But I'm going to share something with you. Pentecostal church can be drier than a desert with tumbleweed blowing by. They sure can. They really can. And so we, you, you could go months and months. People have such a misconception sometimes. Now, you can walk in some. I won't walk in. I can promise you. Scared the life out of you. But they would bring their boyfriends to church. And I'm going to tell you, it could have been dead for years. But you'd hear Vanessa say or Sherry say, I hope everybody acts right tonight. <laughs> I promise you the Holy Spirit hears that. He hears that because it could have been dead for years and all of a sudden, man, somebody cut loose and it's last I, you know, Holy Ghost hoedown. <laughs> and they're just sinking into the seat. <laughs> the boyfriend's wanting to make a new door. Where you want it? <laughs> we need a move of God. A move of God will not come without conviction. Verses 12 through 15 of chapter 3. Peter and John began to explain to the crowd what the real need is. Why this man is walking. It is not by their power, but it has been done by the power of Jesus. And he goes on to say, by the way, the power of the one that you killed. How many want Peter as their pastor? <laughs> Verse, you don't think I'm, here you go. Verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. Peter identifies the God of their ancestors of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as the same God who had ordained and chosen Jesus to be the suffering servant. In other words, he says this was the Son of God. This would be great news for you if you were a Jew to hear that the God of your forefathers was moving again. However, if you've just killed him a few weeks earlier, you might not be too happy about that news. Acts 3, 14 and 15 says, You've disowned the holy and the righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. What a message. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. You killed God's holy and righteous one. You killed the author of life. Hear those words. You put him to death. Look, I thought this was about a man getting his feet back under him. I thought this was about a man getting his legs and, and being healed. No, that was the miracle that set up the message that drew the crowd where he could say to them, you killed him but he's alive. Whew. He goes on. Imagine how convicting these words would be. Oh, how we need conviction in the house of God to flow once again. We need to become aware of our sins. We need to become grieved in our hearts. We need for not to be guilty, but to be convicted. There is a difference. We need the conviction of the Holy Spirit that will bring us to a place of repentance. Some may say, but we're not guilty. We weren't part of that crowd. We didn't kill the author of life. We're not responsible for disowning him. But yet we deny Jesus too when we're embarrassed to say his name at work or school. 
when we hold on to lust and greed in our hearts, when we divide our lives into the sacred and the secular, this is yours, God, but this I'll keep for myself. Hmm. We need to repent. We need to turn again to God. This is what ushers in the times of refreshing that Peter would later share in his message to the people. We need Jesus to build up our relationship with Him as the foundation of all that we do. We need Jesus to not give us more time, but to love Him and make the most of the time we have ahead of us. The thing that we think we need is not actually what we need. In other words, I want you to think about what do you really need. We need Christ and we need Him to transform us from the inside out. We need to experience God. We need the conviction of God. And yes, we need to experience the grace and the forgiveness of God. We need faith in His Son. Verse 16, He declares, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through Him that has completely healed Him as you, uh, you can all see. He's saying, look, the one who did this miracle the one that made this guy to walk again was Jesus the one that you killed the one that is raised from the dead he made him complete and whole and you can't deny what he just did and if he did this that means he really is alive and you got to do something about it you see we all have Jesus on our hands in this room and you got to do something with him before you leave You'll either crown him or crucify him, or you'll call him Lord or liar. But you've got to do something with him, because he's here, and he's on your hands. Peter and John have faith in Jesus, and Jesus gives them the power to see this man healed. But Jesus didn't do this so that they could form a fan club or establish another tent on a mountainside. What, they, what he did, he did this so that it would set up the message to reveal the real need of the people who were coming to see this miracle. If you're here and you don't believe in Jesus you don't, and you don't trust Him and your faith is weak, and, and, and then I want to encourage you today to turn to Him. Turn to Him with everything you have. The gospel is good news. Look at somebody beside you and say, this is good news. This is good news that Jesus died, rose again, so that by faith in Him, you and I might experience God and have a relationship with Him. We need to experience Him. We need His conviction to move in our lives. And we need faith to believe in the power that God will forgive us. We need the refreshment that comes, or the refreshing that comes from the Lord. Peter admits this in verses 17 through 20, or states this. Peter admits that they were ignorant. In other words, you didn't know what you were doing when you killed Him. Peter says, you had no idea that you were really murdering the Son of God. But now you know. <laughs> and you need to do something with it. They didn't, <laughs> they, don't know, they didn't know, but that wasn't an excuse, and it's not an excuse for us. We cannot claim ignorance as an excuse today. It doesn't excuse us. We can, either, we can live our whole lives doing one thing and ignoring Jesus because we didn't know, but that does not make it okay. God uses the, the, uses the mistakes to bring about a message of salvation. John 3, 18. 
But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. The Messiah came to suffer to pay the penalty of sin. What should be our response, they would ask. Repent, verse 19, then and turn to God, and your sins will be wiped out, that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Now I'm going to share with you what it means to have your sins wiped out. In this time, they wrote with ink and papyrus. And the ink didn't have acid in it, so it didn't, it didn't cut into the paper. The ink kind of just sat on top of the papyrus, okay? Didn't penetrate it. So when he talks about it being blotted out, what he, he's referring to something they understand greatly. I want you to imagine a list of your sins this morning. Maybe it could be on an index card, maybe it could be in a book. But I want you to imagine this is a list of all my sins. Everything I've ever transgressed against God, everything I've ever done against Him. It's all on the list. How big would your list be? Just think about that. And when you get saved, what Peter is saying, he says, your sins are blotted out. In other words, they would take a sponge, a wet sponge, and on that papyrus, they would just wipe off the ink. And start all over again. Write a new story. In other words, I come to Jesus with this, but after the cross, I've got this. But the problem is, I keep reminding myself of this. Even though this is what Jesus sees, and even though this is what God sees, I keep reminding myself of this. Because the devil will accuse, but I accuse myself plenty by myself. And I remind myself of when I fell short. And I remind myself of when I came up uh, uh, wanting or needing and I didn't do what I should have done or I didn't react the way I should have. And I'll remind myself and I'll beat myself up and I'll degrade myself from a relationship with God to just, oh, I just if I can just get to heaven, that's all I care about. I want you to know God doesn't want you just to get to heaven. He wants you to walk in a relationship with Him realizing by His grace this is what He sees every single day because you went to the cross that he hung upon he gave his life and his blood it penetrates deep and it wipes us clean and you and I are clean today because of the gift of Jesus Christ so on their paper when they came before the Lord would be written guilty of murdering the son of God I want you to, have, I want you to think about that and Peter says but if you come to him <laughs> and repent He'll wipe it out. What can he wipe out for you today? What can he quite what can he wash clean for you today? And maybe it is you in this habitual self-torture of you reminding yourself of your own failures. Failure is an event, not a person. He's ready. To work in your life. But first you must acknowledge what you need. Get past the symptoms. And find the cause. And say, okay God. Maybe I don't feel forgiven of you because I've really not forgiven somebody. Maybe I don't really feel loved by you because I can't really love myself. 
because I don't like myself. Bring it to Jesus. This message so moved the people that 5,000 were added that day. The miracle of Acts chapter 3 is not the lame man walking. It is the heart being saved and cleansed by the power of Jesus. Oh my goodness. The miracle was setting it up so that the message might be preached of salvation. I want us to stand. Repentance isn't a one-time act. Repentance is a lifestyle. There's nobody in this room that arrives at a place where they don't need forgiveness. <laughs> we all need it. When we repent, two things happen. Our sins are wiped out. <laughs> and the times of refreshing come. I was in a meeting years and years ago where the Holy Spirit moved through the gifts of the Spirit and a word was spoken to a multitude of people that they needed to repent. Good going church folks. And I was young then. And I can remember leaving that meeting hearing people say, repent of what? When the Holy Spirit had went on to say, of your self-centered, self-focused purpose. You're looking to you and not to the world around you to see them saved. You've got off mission, is what he was saying. You got off mission. A little self-confession, Peyton is a video game junkie, and so am I. But I, I am, uh, I am, uh, I'm controlled. We're working on him. But every now and then, I'll slide in and play a little Call of Duty. But if you in the video game, if you go, if you just decide you want to go explore the battlefield, the screen will go gray. And it will say you've, you're off mission or you return to the mission, return to the battlefield. I'm afraid the church's screen has been gray for too long because we've been off mission. It's time to return to our mission. What is our mission? Our mission is to reach souls. But how can we reach souls until we admit what we need? What's your need this morning? I'm not talking about your symptom, what you need. I just want you to take a moment, close your eyes, and I want you to ask yourself, what do I really need? Come on, just ask yourself that question. What do I really need from God this morning? What do I really need? Maybe it is learning to forgive myself. 
Maybe it's learning to forgive others. Maybe it's, maybe what I really need is to feel loved. And before I can, you know, no, what I need, I need me a, a, a good woman. I need me a good man. No, maybe what you need is a good relationship with Jesus that it can be reflected in that other person one day. What do you need this morning? I need to be healed, but what is really the need? Is it beyond the, is that just a symptom? What do you need this morning? I feel the Holy Spirit moving in this house. And I know some of you, you're busting inside. You need to come. You need to come right now. Don't wait on somebody else. What do you need this morning? Come get it from Jesus. What do you need from Him? Come get it from the Lord. Come get it from the Lord. Just What do you really need? I'm telling you, somebody is suppressing it today. You're holding back because you're afraid of what people will think. Who cares what people will think? I'm going to tell you, if the lame man had cared what people thought, he would have still been laying there at the gate beautiful begging the rest of his days. He had to, he had to take a step of faith and receive what was offered. Because the Bible says Peter offered his hand and lifted him up. He could have fought him off and said, no, I'm good. I'll just stay here. What do you need this morning? God is here and He's ready to meet that need. Take somebody by the hand. Have a little faith. Be brave this morning. Take a step of faith and come and pray. If you're watching at home, what do you really need this morning? Reach out to the person beside you and say, pray with me this morning. If you don't have anybody, then you just get on your knees and begin to say, God, this is what I really need this morning. We all want revival. We all want the times of refreshing. But we cannot have the times of refreshing until we get real with God and we be open and honest with God about where we're at and what we really need. What do you need this morning? Will you come? Will you come? What do you need? What do you need? Oh, I feel the Lord in this place. I'm telling you, I feel God in this place. What do you need this morning? Come tell the Lord. Come tell the Lord. Maybe you need healing in your heart this morning. Come tell the Lord. Maybe your heart is broken this morning. Come tell the Lord. Don't hold back waiting on something else. I'm telling you, God is here. And He's ready to minister to you. Man, let's get some of our brothers to pray, will you? Some of y'all to help pray. Come on, church, obey God this morning. Obey God this morning. What do you need? Because if you don't have your real need met, you're going to keep on hurting and keep on looking and keep on wanting and you're never going to be satisfied. You're never going to find satisfaction outside of God. Will you come? Will you come? We need a move. Amen. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. 
Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.